0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time in the world it is, welcome back to another episode on the Dill Journeys podcast. Today I had the pleasure of interviewing Scott from Farmer Joe's Muesli Company, uh, based in Byron Bay. Uh, honestly, this was one of my most real breakthrough podcasts, I felt um, Scott really just, inspired me to really just go out there and give it a red hot crack just go out there and try whatever you want and not let anyone try and bring you down because there's gonna be a lot of people um, that will do that but find the ones that will bring you up and take many risks and for Scott hearing his journey um, I take you through his journey from when he uh, grew up uh, nicking cars being a bit of a nuisance um, to being a caddy for the owner of Taco Bell, Sylvester Stallone, and then getting into acting, and then making his way to Australia, and then um, everything else in between, and all the lessons he learnt. So, without further ado, here it is. Well, Scott, we what we just met probably about two hours ago. Yeah, and now we're filming a podcast. Just like yeah. that. Good. Change the world. Change the world. So, mate. A way that I sort of like to start the podcast is by asking you something that not a lot of people know about you or it's a weird little habit. All
1: right? Yeah. Mm. A weird little Oh, I like to uh, scratch my hair. Yeah. And sniff my fingers. Yeah okay. And like waste my bum. If I scratch my bum, i like to have a sniff. Nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> that bum my wife. Yeah. I have been called one's bum fingers. Yeah, wow. You know when you get a bit too close to the bone?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just shows how open you are, I guess. Like, oh, yeah, no
1: boundaries. Yeah. That's What's life. That's it. Everybody's had a stinky bone once.
0: Yeah. Twice,
1: maybe three times.
0: Yeah, a couple times. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about um, when you were younger, and like, let's say around year 10, year 11, year 12, what were what you doing? What age do that? That's around
1: 15, 16, 17, 16, no, around there. 15, 16... Basically a kid in Glasgow living on the street. Yeah. Nicking this, nicking cars, selling a bit of drugs. Yeah. Most of personal use. Okay. Just a kid on the street of Glasgow, a delinquent. Yeah. Uh, me and all my mates just getting pushed or getting stoned. Yeah. Very zero focus on education and anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Education was street education. Yeah. And it was fun. The, the um, 15, 16, 17, 17, I left school at 18 yeah. in Scotland if you stayed, if you were, came from a bad, age, they called them black spots, like high crime, high unemployment, high drugs. Yeah. If you stayed on school beyond 16, yeah. They actually paid you some money. Yeah. Okay. I think you got like 75 pound a month, which is yeah. a lot, a of, lot of coin back then. Yeah. So we, I stayed until I was 18, not to better my education, just because I had nowhere else to go. You got free food, they paid you a bit of money, and um, that's what you did. There was no, there was no real focus on anything else than that.
0: Yeah, okay. And um, so you, you left school at 18, yeah. and then what did you do for like the next couple of
1: years? During that time, I used to have a summer job working on this posh golf course Yeah okay. called Loch Lomond Golf Club. And yeah. that was the place that changed my life, because that golf club, I was a caddy, I was a guy that cleaned your shoes or parked your car, whatever. But that was like the celebrities, it was like, I met Cheryl Ladd, Sylvester Stallone, fucking Clint Eastwood all the top golfers Nick Faldo uh, what I realised I met the guy that started Sweetin Law I met the guy who started Tackle Bell a lot of these Americans and when you're carrying the golf bags with these guys you realise I mean I was stoned it was like Caddyshack we were always stoned it was the like fucking it was beautiful walk just yeah. outside of Glasgow and these wealthy tends to be Americans or celebrity like British folk so that was my summer job but when I left school, I went back to that place because they offered me a wee job as a porter, like helping people's taking people's luggage to the bins, to, to the rooms. But it was that that place that changed my life because that place gave me the it gave me the the understanding that we're all the same. Mm. There is no difference between them and us. The guy who owns Sweet and Low or Taco Bell is the same guy as me, and you only realise that by carrying their golf bags talking about golf because there's immediate image of everyone mm. but then there's reality and I was like I said I was a stoner but I, I was a very curious stoner I was very curious about how people made money it was this guy who used to work, carry his golf bags Neil Van Leuven, never forgot him big, big fella Russian guy I think he was Russian but he used to drive in this big Bentley but he was like a very detailed guy massive guy he told me he was trading in antiques and it's funny because I thought what he was selling, I always think it's a lot of fucking rubbish. Love a throw it skip. But him, it was an antique and he was the guy making money of that. So it was just getting an idea, getting touch points of so many lives and taking that on board for myself, feeding my curiosity for life because I knew the life I was living was not the life I was happy living. I wasn't happy doing what we were doing every weekend as young kids on the streets and growing up that way. I knew I had to do more. So that eight, that that period after school, I went back to the golf course, and I thought, I've got to get fucking out of here, and that's when I decided to become an actor, yeah. by the fact that this famous actress turned up one day, her name was Natalie Robb, she was a famous Scottish actress, and I followed her inside, I said, uh, can I help you, where are you going, she went, I'm going to see my mum, her mother worked there, so I went and spoke to her mother, She said, what do you do, she went, I'm, I'm also an acting agent, I said, I want to be a fucking actor, she said, have you acted before, I went, no, nah. I said, but I can, can I act? And that's gonna kind of how it started. Yeah, she well. gave me a couple of acting lessons at her place. Tried to get me a few jobs. Got me a couple of walk-on parts on some TV shows. And then um, I moved to London. And so did she. So she moved to London. I moved later on. And then um, I just kept moving forward. Yeah. And where did that come
0: from? Like, that, do you reckon that was just curiosity? Like you didn't deep down knew you wanted to become an actor but that opportunity just arised and you were like well Uh, I want to do it like it looks like you live a cool lifestyle uh,
1: I wanted to be something more than just normal yeah I wasn't sure what the fuck that was going to be but I already already discovered that stuff later on in life because like my father he left my mother at 14 so she was left mother of 4 kids bringing up 4 kids she was resilient see fucking what fucking multiple jobs whatever just to get by yeah I just saw her work effort and I was just curious about stuff I never really questioned how it happened I just thought I can but I never had I never had that belief to be I can until I was about 18 19 years old so that kind of 17 18 because what I was doing the life I was living I knew it wasn't for me I had a conscience so when we were young kids going out and doing all those stuff around Glasgow my mates never gave a shit, they were going to do it again tomorrow, as I would, but I'd process it differently from them, I didn't want really to do it anymore, I was conscious of the effect of some of their actions, so um, I just fucked off, I took, I took I took the first chance that came my way, and I thought that's it, I'll be an actor, yeah. that's glamorous enough for me, Yeah. Well. and, and then, then I went. Yeah, and you're in London, how long were you there for? Three years, Yeah. Well. so in London... Try to get some jobs, try, got a different, a local agent, but yeah. I've done most of the work myself, i got a little of headshot, sent it to every fucking cast and director, they can buy all these acting books, sent it to all them, got a job in a bar, yeah. as you would, hospitality, ended up getting a job in Home Nightclub, which turned out to be a Scottish company, so yeah, they okay. kind of quite like me, yeah. and then doing that, and um, still acting, still getting some jobs, meeting some other actors, and then tell you a funny story when I started the job at home nightclub the guy says to me this English guy he says can you have you worked in a bar and I said aye my version of a bar is a pub yeah. where you pull pints Yeah. and so he gave me the job as the, the barman in this members restaurant and this guy got really upset one day because I made him a coke and he got upset because there was no lemon and I said you never ask for a fucking lemon he goes who the fuck sells a coke with no lemon I said fuck you You can't ask for a fucking lemon I'll get you a lemon anyway they pulled me at the bar, because i would never said to be. you said you worked in the bar? And I said no, I worked in the pub. He said alright, come in, And they gave me the job on the door, so they put me in security, at this member's restaurant, and then they actually, that's where things became good, because I was using the best skill I have, this, just mm. talking to people, and that was it. And then I became looked after the security for the member's bar, and then me and we started doing other events around London, member's bars, like posh, Fucking launches, other stuff you would never see in Glasgow, art launches, product launches, this launch, that launch. I was getting exposed to another world as an employee, not as a, as a, as an invited guest. But I was excited with it, and and I met my wife there, Sally. Yeah. She was a little Aussie backpacker passing through. Yeah. Right. We met on the Millennium. But London was a lonely city, but a great city. It's amazing how you can be so surrounded by so many people, but still feel alone. Mm. It's a city that just fucking moves at such a fast pace. Yeah. But I've had a few good mates in London, and they're still there. So they've moved on. They've kept the security company. They've got mm. it going. It's a decent-sized business now. Yeah. And they do all the close protection for all the posh celebrities and all that sort of shit.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, so, like, let's say there's some young person listening to this right now, and they're hearing all these, like, crazy stories of what you're doing, but they think they're trapped in this um, sort of mindset where they they gotta to go to uni or, you know, follow the path that their parents have told them and it sounds like what you've done is just lived a very juicy and experienceful life. What would be some little tips that you'd sort of give them to, you know, break through that or just I mean, give it a go?
1: The the thing the main thing is never be afraid of failure. Yeah. Your parents will not necessarily agree with your decisions not to follow that path because you gotta remember they're doing what they believe is the right thing for you they're doing the best but you got to make the decision what's right for you at the same time I would say you got to just think about who you are I always say to teenagers when they leave school take time out just stand still for a while because mm. all you've done for the last 18 years is fucking learn pressure learn pressure learn pressure learn learn just take time you went in there as a little fucking fucking teeny bottle of nappies and then you came out as a man or, or a young woman and you've got to discover who you are and what you like. Mm. And that might just come through by not educating yourself anymore. Educate yourself in life and experiences. And then come back after a year. And if you still decide you want to go and be that lawyer your parents want you to be, or that barrister, whatever the fuck it is, then do it. But you've got to do it because you choose to do it. Because what you're doing is you're making a big commitment to give away part of your life to do something that might not satisfy you or fulfill you with what you're after. And I've spoke to many of my mates that have either came from private education and their parents don't get why they want to go and either brew beer or sell wine and make muesli because that wasn't part of the curriculum. I just think people need to stop and listen to the inner voice. What do you want to do? And have a try. And some people might feel this unnecessary pressure of failure. There is no failure. And if there is failure, become fucking best mates with it. Mm. Fail regularly. Yeah fail lots and lots and lots and lots and lots until failure becomes your best mate and you can laugh at things, nothing becomes a real issue. And just through all that you have experiences, With every failure becomes an experience. Learn it look at it what what, what failed, what didn't work and um, don't be afraid to speak out, you know, don't don't just be forced to don't be the guy or the girl that ends up thirty five years old, hitting your job, hitting your wife, hitting your husband, hitting your kids, hitting your life. But you're fucking stuck in the system because you get got three mortgages, the wife's depending on these holidays to the fucking Aspen, Collar, whatever, whatever the fuck it is. This whole about keeping up with the Joneses, that's not fulfillment. That's not satisfying. And it's unfortunate that some people will find themselves in that situation and not really find a way out that doesn't mm-hmm. fracture the family dynamic. Because that's, let's see, I had a mate, he was a barrister, he wanted to give up to go and set up a cupcake business. But it was too hard. He found happiness baking cakes, but there was no happiness for his home life to, to give up his big salary and um, go and bake cupcakes. So I just think you got to make the right decisions when you're young. Mm. Nothing's perfect, but at least you're making the decision instead of the system. Because what you found is up until the point of 18, all your decisions are made for you. It's a systematic process of education. And I'm not a big ambassador of fucking schools. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm a big ambassador of life experiences. And just um I think you can be you can be a lot better as a person but have more experiences rather than having fucking degrees coming at your ass? Yeah. So like yeah. let's say you're um about to employ someone,
0: would you necessarily look at all the um, achievements on their resume? Never. Or would you more so um, have an interview yep. with interview with mm-hmm. them and then just ask certain questions that might work with social skills or can they keep a conversation yeah. like what skills do you think young kids should really harness and that you look for in um, employees or I think or those so our
1: business is a mute so we farmer Joe we make and sell muesli yeah my previous experiences was coffee companies so I would employ sales reps to go and sell coffee I never looked at anyone's education yeah okay. I don't give a fuck yeah I looked at maybe the past experiences or the covering letter something different yeah. something catchy something exciting and then when you're going to talk to people, I like to. Sometimes that can be quite provocative, because life can be provocative. You know, it's like the, the, the whole interview process, this formula. You stand in, high, high high. Fuck all that shit. It's just, I, don't, I, I, when I shake someone's hand, let's do it here. Yeah. I tickle the hand. So um, see, what I'm doing here. I'm tickling, and I do it to every single person I meet. And the best part is when no one responds to it. like... Except they've been. Oh, people just don't. I do it to everyone. Yeah. Because I just hate the whole fucking... It's just... Uh, have a bit of fun. Yeah, fucking don't forget to laugh. These things... Yeah. It's just a process. Remember, the person who's interviewing you is either an employee or an employer themselves. It's just, we've already been there.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just be loose and be be calm and don't, don't be so rigid. I know your first time you might be a wee bit nervous, but it's just a conversation. Mm. And don't forget to have fun with these things. It's just a fucking job. Yeah. I mean, nothing's forever. It's just... Yeah. When I look at people, I just, I just look for personality. Mm. I look for people with personality and a wee bit of resilience. Yeah. And looking to think this person's actually going to turn up for work. Yeah. And is actually going to get me the right results. Because it's very easy to be a victim. It's very easy to say, no, it can't be done. And look, I never accept those things. For me, I see the opposite. I only ever see opportunities. Yeah. I never see any obstacles. Even if somebody tells me, oh, it's impossible bullshit there's always a way around yeah. it fucking always a way around it yeah. you're just not you're not looking the right way Yeah. you're seeing an obstacle I'm seeing opportunity and I just think the fundamental fact is when you finish school I think you've got to take time for yourself Yeah. and make the right decisions moving forward because mm. you're saying I'm going to be let's call it an accountant when you're 17 you might not feel that when you're 20 mm. I'm not going to say the accountancy degree is not going to be beneficial for you yes it will but you might Find yourself slipping through the cracks, getting that accountancy job. Then you go back to work. you got to work as a fucking junior. Here's the thing I always say to people. If you come out of school at 16 and get a job in an ad agency, right? Making teas and coffees. By the time your mate's finished his ad degree, whatever it is, you've probably pro- progressed through the ranks quicker than him. So when he starts or she starts, she'll be earning less money than you started as a tea boy. Because you get real life experiences. You might have been made an account director an account manager within the four years you've been there because your aptitude to learn is good. But your mate might have come out from fucking advertising university and come in with his degree and he's earning 30 grand a year and yeah. you're earning 70 because you've got real life ex- experience. That's what matters. Yeah. Get into a job. When I was a kid growing up, they did a thing called YTS, Youth Training Scheme. Lawyers, uh, sorry, university, and no, all that was for like lawyers, or whatever. but... If you wanted to go and learn the trade, you just go and learn. You go work with someone in a job. Mm. And I think that's much better than textbook stuff. Politicians are full of fucking textbook learning. they got no fucking idea. Yeah. Sitting there and reading books and telling you how they could... Fuck off, mate. It's not going to work. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's not real life. Real life is going out there and lending money to the guy in the street. Real life is fucking fixing someone's pipes. Real life is creating a system of real life experiences. And behind that, the economics work and function. Textbook stuff is a lot of blah blah blah, and I always say that, and people get upset. They go, oh, you got it. these guys never saw the GFC coming. Mm. Every fucking boffin in the world never saw it coming. So how can they fucking tell us what's what's right or what's wrong? Yeah. And you know, it's just like things happen. Things happen, and I think all you can do as a person is do what you believe to be right for you, and do it with a smile on your face. If you don't like it, change it. Because mm. nothing's forever. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to say don't be an accountant and don't be a be be the best you can be if, if, if your parents think you should be a lawyer and follow the family I always say lawyer because that's always tends to yeah. be the one that's up there because you've got to study like fucking seven years ten years mm. and if you want to be a barrister it's not fucking you're giving away if you're going to live to 80 you're giving away fucking what's that a six of your life
0: yeah
1: just to that part of education and then there's the part of getting to 18 it's like fucking how much of your life are you going to give away to education and what are you going to live yeah because you're going to spend all this time learning stuff And then you're going to work like a fucking dog. And then you might come out at 60 or 70 with, what, five years left? Yeah. That's not life. I don't think that's life. It might be if you consciously make those choices. But if you're unconsciously getting forced to walk that path, I don't think that's how you should be spending your life. Yeah. People think, I I think many people walk around life like it's a fucking trial run. (laughs) It's very final end. When you did, you did. That's it. So you got to make the right decisions for yourself today, because they're going to affect how you live your life tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And it's like a little little formula you've said there. Basically,
0: um, take a year off to find like what you want to do, or just as long as you need, or even it could be a week or two to just really find what you makes you click, and then whatever you like to do, go ask to the person. Can I just you know shadow you, or just be around you? And the next thing you know, they might offer you a position or three months down the track and then two years down the track, you're you're working full time and you might start your own company like you were just telling me the story before. You'll be
1: amazed that if you actually pick up the phone and ask people, can I get a job? Can I get some work experience? You'll be amazed the response you get because no one does it. Everyone stands in line to go and get this formula of education. That's all right, but it's not the only way to do it. And I can tell you that when I was a thief, like we were good at nicking stuff. <laughs> people might, you go to a factory and you're going to rob the factory of the shit. You, you, you were so many, ways into it, so many ways into a car when we were nicking cars. We were just never put off by an alarm system. Fuck off, it's not, it's not going to take your car. No. Just, all, the, all this stuff is like, I never ever saw an end. Yeah. There was never a full stop. There was always a next sentence. Like, well, fuck we'll try that one. And that's it. If people phoned up my company and says, can I come in and get some work experience? Number one, or even people who turn up to the factory and give us a resume, I get them a job. Yeah. Because they get off their ass to come in and get a fucking job. Yeah. People don't do that anymore. That's nah. like an old skill. To send an email, yeah, that's, you're in the system. I'll give you a funny story, right? Yeah. When I first came to this country, I tried to get many jobs. And back then it was fax, there was no emails. This is 20 years ago. Yeah. Emails were just kind of coming in. And I saw this job, it was a PR marketing manager for a pub called the Light Brigade. In yeah. Paddington in Sydney and I wanted that job oh fuck it that was my that was my change that was the, that was a real job that was going to help me assimilate with Australian people and help me fit in and, and get a proper job yeah so I had ten quid, $10 and I went to the little post office guy in Paddington this a bit how much was it to send the fax and he said 10 cents and it was a one-page resume very simple uh, I says can you send that like a thousand times or What Or ten quids worth he goes, why do you want to send the same thing? I said, mate, I need to make sure when that fax goes through, that machine runs out of paper, that there's no other faxes coming through, just mine, yeah. and lot and, lo- and lots of them. I need to know if that's what happens. Yeah. Monday or Tuesday, I get the phone call from the guy. He says, come in, interview, and he says to me, mate, how many fucking faxes did you send? I says, 10 quids worth. I says, mate, I just need to make sure that you saw no one else for this job. I wanted this job. Yeah. And he laughed, and on that basis, he gave me the job. Yeah, wow. And that was my first proper job Yeah. in Australia.
0: Yeah, wow. So you made the move to Australia, and then when did you start Farmer
1: Joe? Ten years ago, but I yeah. had tried many things. I had tried mobile yeah. phone, MVNOs, which is like a, a mobile virtual network, like a, like a virgin. Yeah. I tried that. I tried um, Square Communications but a mate of mine selling ad space, or tag lines to ad agencies. Mm-hmm. We tried, you know when you walk through the, the cities, there's all these metal grates on the floor? Yeah. I wanted to put the light boxes in then. Yeah. because I thought, why are you putting advertising billboards up high when everyone fucking walks with their head down? I yeah. wanted to make them little billboards. Couldn't get that done. Then there was table advertising. We tried to do in Westfield, but someone beat us to that. Then we had two D barcode technology. Back in the day when it was just old normal phones and smartphones were just starting, two D and three D. We tried to sell that to quantities to. But now it's normal you buy a ticket online and a fucking barcode comes yeah. we were trying to sell this shit like 12 years ago 13 years ago wow I tried so many things and then I got involved with coffee companies mm-hmm. and I was running this coffee company called Toby's Estate which was a really cool well regarded business yeah but previous to that I had been working for this company called Cereboss, who owns brands like Sax Salt Fountain Sauces Greybox Gravy big company and um I saw this opportunity for health and well because they were talking about coffee, coffee, coffee. And I said to the guys, we should buy some muesli businesses, because I grew up eating muesli. I think the cycle of muesli is coming back, because like, muesli is healthy. Yeah. Not the stuff that's loaded with sugar. but I said to my wife, we had our first challenge, second child, we lost the first one, mm-hmm. and um, I said, if we can make muesli as exciting as this new movement of coffee, because back then you were getting brands like... Toby's Estate and Campos Coffee and Single Origin from Sydney. So these were really cool brands. Mellor. Really changing yeah. the way the, the roast of coffee. Um, the was they're very successful Queensland. Then it was the Bella as well, these other guys that came out of there. But the whole market was changing. And I just said, if we can change, because usually for me it was two things. It was either really healthy and fucking tasteless, or really sweet and fucking just confectionery. Yeah. There was nothing in that middle part which was lifestyle. I and mean, we were a bit ahead of the game. So that's what we did. We just, we knew nothing about muesli. We knew nothing about food, but I ate porridge, my wife ate granola. And we started making muesli. Combined the both. Yeah, we just, we made slowly, slowly, slowly. And we sat on the sidelines. Oh, we should try this, and maybe we should try this, and do we need to plan this, and do we need to plan that, and we do, do we need a business plan, or oh, we should make this. And one day I just got, I said, you know what, fuck this. I don't want a business plan. I don't want this fucking, there was too many, indec- we were so indecisive. And I was getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. And one day I said to my wife, fuck this. I'm going to take this and I'm going to do it myself. Because she was trying to think through the whole process. Yeah. And that's when she stood up. She went, no, you won't. I'm fucking doing this. She took ownership from that fight right there. She goes, I'm fucking doing this. And she made that business what it is. Straight away, we got, got employed someone the next day to help make muesli. We started meeting make muesli. And we took it to the markets and we started selling muesli. That's how it started. Yeah. Farmers markets, Fox Studios. Turned up first time. People bought it. Done next week, people bought it. Gave his feedback. Too many figs, too many almonds. Great, we'll change that. And that's kind of how it And our first customer from that was Qantas. We got on Qantas first class and business class. That was our first wholesale big account. Wow. <coughs> and in a cafe called Foodies. Yeah. But that's how it's, you can stand on the sidelines and over critique. So I, I'm not a plan, I'm not a ambassador of a business plan. And there's many people who shoot me down and say, this is my theory of a business plan it's fictional it's like I'm writing a great story yeah and you me to create these fictional costs and these fictional sales and these fictional opportunities <coughs> and then I take it to a bank manager <coughs> or someone and they give it to them and basically I'm lying to them right but it's legal lying you're allowed to like because it's a business plan mm. and then they'll decide to give me money in any other form if I didn't call that a business plan and I went to give it to you and they'll try to get some money there's a good chance I'd be done for fucking what's the word I'm looking for if I was illegally soliciting you with a bullshit story to get money, it's called uh, fraud. It? Fraud, let's be fraud. Yeah. Because it is fraud. But in financial terms, you can call it a business plan and that's alright. Because yeah. you've done your due diligence. No, I haven't done my due diligence. Just, I still don't have a business plan 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. I refuse. I have a business that's working and that's the plan of business because I just think you can be so stuck leading up to the launch of a product or a business by all the bullshit. On the fucking administrator the crap yeah you don't need that at the beginning i need it now i've got people in the business that do that shit because they know how to do it but i don't i don't let that make my business decisions and um i remember reading the book once with john mcgrath he was a successful sydney um real estate agent and he kind of spoke bit about, about business plans he goes his theory was have the business plan have it put away but have <clears throat> if you can't write the brief part on the back of a, a coaster a pub coaster then you've got too much detail, and just something that continually reminds you of what you're trying to do with your business. Yeah, I kind of connected with that, but I never did it because I just always went with the theory. I have a product. Let me find the customers, and make sure i make the profit in the middle, mm-hmm. and that's going how it worked. Yeah.
0: And so, when did it start to get a bit of momentum? Like, and was it always, you know, going up like this, like going on an incline, or was it very up and down?
1: Like, can well, you tell us? It was always growing. Months? Well, we had no money when we started the business, so yeah, okay. this is cash flow. Yeah, We were so tight, but so fucking tight for five years. And I still had my business, I'm still working in coffee. Yeah. I'm trying to put as much in having kids. So it was very tight for the first six years. Mm-hmm. I think after six years, we started paying a salary yeah. to ourselves, wow. and then that's when I gave up the coffee company and moved in. And every morning I was just out there because I knew if I was out first thing in the morning, I was out before my competitors, I was selling music at the cafes, I was the last one home, I was the first one out again, and that's kind of how it worked. And I knew that by that, I have control more control of my currency and my economy. Now, some people say, "I oh, go get a good, safe job. There is no safe jobs. There is no safety in a proper job anymore. They're not there. Mm. So I, I'm, all, I'm always of the belief, do it for yourself, because at least you have much more control with it. Yeah. And that's kind of how it happened for us. It was just every fucking day was a slog yeah. it's not a slog it's been, it hasn't been a slog the last four years yeah. but cash flow is always a killer Yeah. so our, our customers are bigger our costs are bigger our staff costs are bigger but we've done this with the support of the bank so the bank have um, supported us because we're at a certain level of business now and we're honest with the bank and if you remove the ideology away from the bank, as the bank, and just humans represent the bank, it works quite well. So being able to get them to help us support the business with the growth. But at the beginning, it was always time. It was always a struggle. Mm-hmm. You got to beg, steal and borrow. Yeah. You got to fucking hustle. Yeah. Everything's a fucking hustle. And you know what? If it's easy, you have no respect for it. Mm-hmm. You have no respect. Like if I came home and I had like ten dollars in my pocket, that was enough for a beer and a pack of chips. You know, when I went to the pub, just to scull a scull beer. Yeah. That was nice. That was satisfying. That was it was always a reward at the end of it. But just I would sell. That's why my my, um, my tolerance for people to say, "Oh, we can't sell this, we can't sell that," I think bullshit. <clears throat> you can sell everything. Mm. Everything can be sold. You just got to refine your speech, change your customer, or change your salesperson, and make it work. Yeah. And do it ethically. Some people might listen to this and go, oh, this guy would fucking do it." No, everything I do has to be ethical. Mm. and By ethical, I mean respectful. I'm not in it to make money. I could make a lot more money by changing my business formula around, yeah. by using shit ingredients and fucking just cheapening the whole thing, but that's not who we're about. It's very easy to be cheap. Yeah, We've taken the higher ground to be a very high-end brand Yeah, <coughs> that delivers on health and well-being and nutrition and taste, and that's over the last 10 years. We, at the very high end of the market, people are now respected for that. So we have a level of integrity within what we do, but we also have a a responsibility to the customers that have supported us to make sure we stay delivering them what they expect from Farmer Joe. Mm.
0: Moving and forward. So you for six years, you know, you were trying to hustle and make it happen. Can you like sort of tell us what an average day looked like, and what sort of hours you were doing, and how many days a week? Oh, six. Because that's th- I think that's another thing, like. You know, entrepreneurship is very sexy right now. Everyone like wants to start it's their a own thing. Fancy team. world, that's all yeah. it is. everyone loves to hear it. So, can you tell us a little bit of like the grit and the uh, tough moments that not a lot of people like
1: to hear? Sixty-hour days, seven days a week, and <clears throat> and with children, like coming home from my job. Yeah, and then going, I had like a, a respectable job running a coffee company, managing a bunch of staff. And then I would come home, and uh, the house be filled a fucking muesli pots and stickers whatever and it was straight back to that filling pots putting stickers on that till the fucking midnight one in the morning carrying all that shit out to the little storage unit up the road it was torture when i look back now it was fucking painful when i was doing it or when we were doing it we did it and we drank a lot of alcohol it was only way to numb it for us just fucking, yeah, okay. you had to find some level of reward yeah just finish it. And just we drank so wine. So externally, yeah, trying to get something. Just, just something. And gym. I'd always sneak off to the gym. get yeah. my, Get my hour in the gym and come back. Yeah. Sally done a bit of yoga and a If she could. <clears throat> but it was just every day was the fucking same. But yeah. we didn't mind that because we were getting more and more sales every day. Mm. But it wasn't easy. People would look at me and go, oh, "By you guys, you get such a great life up here in Byron Bay. You're only you're only seeing today. You never saw the last fucking nine in about yeah. years. Which was also fun. But challenging, yeah. at the same time, because you got to give people. Everyone was off for a holiday. You know, when all your mates are going off to holidays and flying off here and flying off there, we never went fucking nowhere. Mm. <clears throat> I never wanted to go anywhere because I always felt living in Sydney was a fucking holiday for me. Yeah, it was lovely. And um, when they were on holiday, I was at selling. I kind of, I can I kind I kinda love business. Mm. I love it. I don't, I don't want. I don't ever want to stop doing business. Sally doesn't feel the sa- same way as me. That, if we sold farm Joe tomorrow, she'd be quite happy just chillaxing, doing her garden, hanging out with the kids. I wouldn't. Mm. I'd go and find another business. Yeah. Or set one another one up or, or help other people get their businesses going. Because that's just your curiosity. Because, oh, I fucking love it. Yeah. That's why I don't, I don't like the word entrepreneur because I struggle to spell it. I don't really know how to spell it. <laughs> I can't spell <laughs> it either. And my wife always said, you're more of a curious mind. And yeah. I think that's nice because that's, that is exactly what I am. I'm curious. Mm. If I spend long enough with someone and it could be an no on the top of the business, my mind processes so many fucking things quickly that I've got an idea how it works. Yeah. I get it. I think, oh, that's good. I, I can get that. Not in technology stuff. Look, like technology stuff, forget it. Food, beverage, stuff, consumables, pubs, bars, restaurants, that sort of, I get that kind of stuff, but technology is not my bag. Mm-hmm. That, that would bamboozle me. But the, um, I just think people who decide to do something like this have to have a level of um, resilience, and it's pointless me telling you all the bad stuff because it's better you experience it <clears throat> because we've always said to ourselves, if we knew what we knew now then, you would never have started your own business. Yeah. Because yeah. So, there's so much shit you got to go through. There's so much no money, debt, fucking mm. debt. I'm so familiar with debt. Debt's like my good mate. <laughs> it's become a bestie. Yeah. Because it's always there. But it's the blind belief to... <clears throat> to start achieving what you set out to achieve, which was just a fucking idea. Mm. A, a, a coffee table yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah, well. And now we sell 40,000, 50,000 retail bags a month to this, all over this country, and into seven, seven export countries. We do it like at Costco, we do it like at Kohl's, Woolies, IGAs, health food stores, go, a stack of stores. Mm-hmm. But that was all an idea that like me and Sally had, and a fight, that fight, that made her take ownership of that product, and we always knew the product was going to be female, female focused. But I just think nothing's easy. Mm. But fuck, it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. And don't forget to laugh your way through it because it's just, there's hard chips. But when you, when you go down, what happens next? Gotta go up. and fucking up. Yeah. that's good to enjoy the up because you're going to come down again. <laughs> and that's just fucking the cycle of the cycle of life, cycle of business, cycle of an economy. Yeah. If you're always on the up, is that sometimes you can look at people who come from very privileged societies are very wealthy and you can talk to them but you don't really appreciate it. I don't think they appreciate the, the realities of the common man and I think to, to appreciate the realities of the common man is a fucking wonderful place to be, because it's this it's the, most, the common man is the happiest person ever, because they're so familiar with us so sometimes you hear that like, someone won the lottery and they say I'm so depressed, well you're not supposed to be there Mm. It's a bit like what I said to you earlier. It's like, you can't go from and Fuck All to here's 20 million. Yeah. You don't know how to deal with 20 million. Mm. The first thing you're going to do, if you ask someone who has no money, you say, What are you going to do when you win the lottery? They're going to tell you the first 20 things they're going to buy. Mm. It's not about any other thing but I'm going to give this away for that and this, and this and this and this. And you know, sometimes it's better to appreciate something and not have it than to have it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you're speaking obviously about. You know those tough days long hours can you tell us what it's like to when you finally like find what like you get this energy that you've never had before to work those sort of hours and like what it feels like because you know there's some people that will come home from their nine to five job and they're just like, oh, you know i'm done for uh-huh. the day and they just you know sit on the couch uh-huh. but obviously you came home from that job and then you just had this
1: urge of energy it's almost like working on a baby or something along that like i, I was Focused, but for the thing that I have now, I would rather give everything I had back then mm-hmm. to have my t- the thing I said. I want my commodity of time. I want my time back for me. Mm-hmm. The twenty-four hours a day is the same thing we all have. I don't want to give mine away. I was prepared to give it away to get to where I am today, but some people who want to go home and just say I'm done for the day, lie on the sofa, that's a choice they've made. It's like we said earlier. People would go to a holiday and lie by the the pool and drink. I'll call it it. I can't do that I could do it for maybe an, a day but I, I wouldn't do that I, wouldn't, I would I have need to go out and explore find shit to do what can I buy what can I sell what can I make what's he up to what's he doing over there I need to go and meet the locals I need to go and find stuff and it's the um, you just do it I think I read the book by Elon Musk he talks about the similar stuff but he's way too fucking full on for me yeah. <laughs> there has to be lifestyle balance so yeah. you, have to have, you have to have a holiday you mm. have to have time, you have to recharge, and you also have to be kind of respectful for the people who are coming along for the ride with you, because they don't share your vision. They're all sitting talking, yeah, 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 but they don't, they're not feeling it the same way you do. So for me and Sally, we just we just gave everything yeah. to the business because there was no alternative. We had tried so many businesses that all fucking flopped. This was the one that was actually working. So there was no fucking way in the world that I was not going to give this Yeah. everything, and we were in it together she was in it when I was in it which made it a whole lot easier for our relationship to, yeah. to make this work yeah it was just fucking easy and then can you tell
0: us a little bit about like the products and like how you sort of branched out and why you did it
1: we, so we started with five yeah and um, and we started with five flavours we thought were nice and back then we focused on flavour <clears throat> not so much nutrition we just wanted it to be tasty as we've moved through the years nutrition's became a big big part of it and being aware that many companies, so i will talk about music because that's what we do in, yeah. in breakfast foods, is many brands have people who don't give a fuck launching products to fill a segment in the marketplace. It just creates confusion and it's a lot of bullshit. So most brands are getting created, most products are getting created by people who don't even eat the product. Whereas we eat this stuff every fucking day. So we tend to eat, eat make stuff that we want to eat. So when we launched the paleo granolas in our know, keto ranges and we changed all the oils from like vegetable oils to cold pressed macadamia oils to coconut oils and all those and bringing in maples and just other we started to take on board nutrition but also taste do we want to eat it because we don't make stuff that just fills a gap that was never the thing and we don't make stuff to fit a price point we kind of make the product and then find the price point for what we were up to was in business, that's the opposite. You tend to walk to, to a gap, to a margin, to this, and that's that's everything we didn't want to do. We never ever wanted to walk the same path as another music business. We just yeah. didn't want to do that. It was never us, and in my mind back then, we were already a massive company, but we're tiny. Because the, the vision I had for the business is big, um, but the reality was we're a tiny little business, just trying to get ahead. Mm-hmm. But we just made stuff that was relevant and tasty. And quite well packaged and we tried to have some fun with the packaging of muesli and granola, colourful, exciting, and really try to connect with the female customer. And that was what we did, we just kept, and we kept listening to customers, I want a snack, alright we're getting snacks coming. And we launched a probiotic range, a prebiotic range, we've got a kids range coming, there's, there's a whole range of stuff that we've tried to do, but at the same time, over the last 10 years, money's been the issue for us money to innovate and launch new products has always been a challenge because <coughs> we don't have any whereas now we're We're at a level of a business where well, we do have money We do have time and we have we now have a marketing person in our business. We never had marketing We just made shit and sold shit. <laughs> I remember tell you a funny story the guy from Qantas phoned, phoned up one day and goes hey, Can you guys um, Do you guys have a website and Sally said no and he says, listen to do, oh, do me a favor. Just get a website he because I'm trying to find your products online, I can't find nothing. And I wanted to the phone him up and, and say, Listen, you fucker, there's a website, we can't fulfill the orders we're dealing with, we're too busy selling the shit. So why would I want to sp- spend time trying to have a fucking website when I customers trying to buy the stuff? Yeah. But after I put my ego and my anger on one side, I thought, He's right. How are we going to speak to customers if there's no website? So we can, uh, we didn't build a website for like five years. Yeah, wow. And so, like,
0: you know, a lot of people are scared to sell just because they sort of, it's easy to market now. Obviously, with social media platforms, it's free to, you know, market on Instagram, Facebook and all those other sort of platforms. But did what set you aside from most other companies was you were just like, let's just get in as many cafes as we possibly can and sell. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you want to run a business that... Um, turns over and gets to where you want it to go, like 80% of it mm.
1: is sales. 100%. We only sold, we, we, we specialised in muesli. So every time we went to a cafe, they would say, well, I'm here, we'll talk to you guys about some muesli. And they say, What else do you sell? Because for everyone else, muesli was the afterthought. Mm-hmm. They would say, Here's a range of breads, here's a range of this, that, this, and oh yeah, I've got some muesli. So muesli was always an afterthought product, whereas us, it was opposite. We wanted to change the way people ate breakfast. No more highly refined carbohydrates, bacon and egg rolls, cheese and ham, that was all done. We just said, you know what, you can make so much margin on a nice muesli cup with some berries and some nice yoghurt and muesli on top and promote it as Farmer Joe and you'll sell more. People say, oh no, just try it, just try it Mm -hmm. and the shops would go from two units a day to six, to eight, to twelve because people wanted to make the right choices, consumers but there was nothing there in the face to say, just by that. What was there and even to this degree day in some stores is just walls of refined carbohydrates. Bread, 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 bread. There was nothing but nothing nutritious mm. in that space. So we could have helped cafes redefine part of that segment of the fridge. And it worked. But we just sold muesli, just kept selling fucking meat. And we weren't cheap. We would have been the most expensive out there, but we had the best product and customers started to like it. Customers put value in the brand customers thought to ask for it. So the customer became their ambassador because the cafes would call us and say my customers are fed up meeting they want to try your product you usually try one over there they want that one because we were so specialised in making their product look good and taste good it made the other ones pretty <laughs> it was it was an easy sell. Yeah. So we went from zero to like nearly 2,000 cafes very quickly. And when you're in cafes you become relevant as a brand so then you move to retail customers want to buy it take it home and that's kind of that's kind of how we, we move forward as yeah. a business.
0: Yeah, wow, and that obviously showed, like taking that stage from cafes to you know, the next stage, next stage.
1: Retail was about growing up. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a lot more legislation, regulation that you got to do to be in the retail space. So that was, every time we have grown in a business, it's a bit growing up. Mm-hmm. I think we're at a level now where we've grown up, but who knows? Because we're now supplying your, your big players, domestically and internationally. But I never say never. There's always a grow. Actually, a growing up stage. We just sent a whole stack of stuff to um, to Japan that contained higher levels of cyanide. I never knew cyanide was in nuts and seeds. Yeah, wow. it's in almonds. It's in flax seeds. It's in celery. So I learned that the last two months. So once again, every time you grow, or you export whatever, you, you grow up again. Something else happens. Yeah. And you deal with it. You yeah. deal with it you deal with it
0: yeah and it's obviously like you didn't know a lot coming into the business but you've learned everything Zero. along the way and that's yep. like the journey that you've yep. sort of taken yep. Um so now like the the last segment I like to talk about like all things personal development slash routine like what you do to keep yourself in good stead to basically function at an optimal level mm. and do what you do so you know you talked about how one of the books you read was uh was
1: it The monkey Who the saw monk Fer- Sold His Ferrari? Yeah, yeah,
0: can you tell us a little bit about that and how that sort of trans- transformed Well, that,
1: that was, was a book when I was 28 years old trying to, try to find a balance in my life from all these fucking crazy emotions. Yep. Happy, sad, anxious, depressed, fucking this, this stuff. is that I never realized that I control my mind. Hmm. I learned that at 28 years old. I never realized the mind is like your bicep. Everyone's in the gym pumping the fucking biceps when they should be pumping the fucking brain when you fix this, the rest is the, is, is the easy part. But this book was given to me by a guy called Graham Marr when I was trying to launch a mobile phone business. And he said it changed his life, and it did change mine. I read the book 30 odd times. Wow. She talks about the principles of early awakening, live nourishment, eating the right foods, the ritual of music, spoken word, be careful what you say, concurrent character, like be the same person today you're going to be tomorrow. Um, Physicality, exercise. There was these these simple things that made complete sense to me because as you're growing up, you're always you're so influenced by this guy, this guy, this all these things you don't fucking need. Mm. So once I kind of went through that whole process, I started on this whole process of self-help. Read lots of books, put a lot of but you got to put this shit into practice, otherwise it's just another fucking book. It's another quick high with a big fucking low again. Mm. So, uh, I learned that stuff and kind of put all those things into my life. But I now do, I used to always think meditation was sitting somewhere quietly with your feet crossed, humming. Yeah. It's not, there's like a fucking million exercises meditation, there's active meditation, there's thinking, but there's so many forms of meditation. And some people are put off because they don't want to sit there like, like a yogi. But you don't have to, anytime you can do something and just be focused in the minute of it is your active meditation or, or an active meditation where you just you shut out the rest of the world and you focus just on that so if you're running it's just fucking running so mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe just have sound get your breath you and for me when I exercise it's just my, it's just me and my exercise and I do a lot of exercise I love to exercise because I need, I'm quite high as a person so I need to burn off that energy if I don't testosterone builds up my body and it creates anger frustration then it comes out in other ways I've realised that mm-hmm. but it took me a fucking long time to realise it maybe 35 years yeah so I really enjoy it. I get off and exercise it makes me happy but it's the same energy I take that energy and apply it to my business so I can take anger and I can take ego and I can rein them in and I can put them into my drive and my resilience and I fucking re-energy it I stop that fire yeah so I've been able to take parts of my <clears throat> my mind and my energy sources and put them to relevant uses otherwise they just go off fucking. they pull you out of sync yeah okay but I just I've just and I'm very aware. Every night I ask myself, did I do anything today that didn't make me a better person? Because when you actually set the conscious mark in your mind, it tells you, oh, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done that, and you can address it right there and then instead of letting things build up and build up and build. Up. And that's why people won't say something because they don't want to offend someone, but they would rather just build up the frustration in themselves and then blow up. There's no need to blow up. If you just say what you felt back then when you felt insecure about it, if you didn't like what someone, just say it. Yeah. Deal with it. Don't bad mouth them when they're gone. Just fucking say it. Just deal with it right there and let it go. Don't hold on to shit. And you feel free. Just let it go. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. And don't hold resentment and all those evil things that fucking fill you full of bad stuff. It's too easy to be bad. It's challenging to be good. Yeah. Until you practice being good and then good comes really easily. Yeah. Good attractive. It's very easy to be a cunt. Yeah. That's It's that's, that's <laughs> very easy to be a cunt. But there's absolutely zero satisfaction from that. I remember watching a. A documentary with Robbie Williams from Take That mm-hmm. and they were talking about his his relationship with Gary Barlow who was a front man i take that and they had to split up and Robbie was, was hate they hated each other and after like 20 years the commentator said how do you feel now Robbie says you know it's like everything he goes after you've hated someone you have loved for so long once the hate's gone all that's left is love but it took 20 years to figure that out yeah because hatred is a quick emotion Mm. you know it's a spike that you've got to deal with like a fucking adrenaline rush and it leaves you shaken empty angry questioning there's absolutely zero satisfaction from hatred whereas love on the other hand or or compassion or something positive actually fills you with nice stuff it's uh, a again somebody that's 22 might be listening to this going what the fuck do you mean? again, it took me a th- long, long time to fucking realise it, but if you start putting your ego in the box, can, road rage, it's the simple fucking biggest frustration in people's life. Put it aside. Yeah. Let someone cut in. Be the first guy to say sorry. There's nothing wrong with saying sorry. But no. Again, it took me a long time to be that guy to say sorry. Yeah. I struggled with it to say sorry. Now I'm the first guy to say sorry. Just apologise. Sorry. Didn't mean it. Yeah, man. You, you don't mean it. No. It's nothing personal. No but you can if you just all these small changes make such a big difference in your life and I've never been so freer in my fucking life yeah nothing bothers me anymore no just, life's an opportunity
0: yeah the next stage for Farmer Joe's
1: franchising is it yeah franchising little, we call them little places of worship that's how we started we had a little cafe on the street in Surrey Hills yeah it's a place we're now 10 years old people can come to the store there's freshly baked muesli getting made there's a range of boosted smoothies with mushrooms or collagens or probiotics there's a range of bowls to be made breakfast bowls some snacks some coffees and then we've got our own range of ceramics bowls breakfast bowls cupware everything for the breakfast table yeah all under the Joe brand and we'll do a first one in byron uh probably the end of 2019 start of 2020 yeah and then we'll probably do the second one in bondi in sydney and then from there we'll get an idea of the, how the model is working and then we'll start to load it out yeah, because there's a lot of franchises. I'm looking more globally here. There's a lot of franchises globally that are just pumping out shit. You know, it's just yeah highly refined carbohydrates and bad coffee.
0: And do you sort of see it like maybe being the next sort of
1: Boost Juice in a way? Like yeah,
0: because you look I at just, boost, boost Juice boost and they've got like a phenomenal yeah, franchise yeah. model. Like
1: they're very successful doing something quite simple. Yeah. So for us, Muesli's our version of simple. Yeah. So what we want to do is take your muesli to the people and take it in many forms I always think people who appreciate brands like to go somewhere to touch them and I saw it with T2 when tea had the, people would go to the T2 store to look at all the tea trinkets the tea cups and all the tea variations because you can't always range everything you want to retail there's mm. only so much space whereas in a, a farm with your kitchen there's a whole much more experiential yeah. place to, it's like theatre yeah. and the fact that we're baking muesli on premises smells fantastic yeah. So there's more to, uh, it's the marketing to the senses. I see it, I hear it, I want to smell it, I want to touch it, I want to taste it. And my plans are also to do a champagne breakfast, in gin yeah. and gin martinis all day. <laughs> that might just be my own one. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if I'll build. I would love to roll that out. Yeah. And then within those places, there's we, there's nutrition courses, mm-hmm. discussion courses about how about simple things you can do to take home. Yeah. But the whole thing's about a concept, a little franchise that people could buy into yeah. and open their own one
0: yeah wow and if anyone you know might be listening and they want to jump on board would they just
1: send you an email same email scott at farmajou.com.au yeah we'll do the first one in Byron second one in Bondi Mm -hmm. and I was going to do the third one in Glasgow Glasgow yeah wow that's where I come from I think I can have an impact (coughs) on the eating habits of the Glaswegian because it's quite awful what they eat
0: yeah, wow. That's and is that your underlining
1: like, mission now, is to really yeah, just, change the way people yeah. eat and the way they look at food? At least when I give them an offer yeah, and want to have a voice for the people who want to eat better or eat well. Because um, when I was in Glasgow, I went to a Costa Coffee, which is like a retail chain. It's four quid for a coffee and the coffee's awful. So that's like $8. But when you go to the cereal aisle and the supermarkets, they won't spend more than four quid for a box of muesli. So they're spending £3.50 for a week's worth of muesli, which you just ship glucose, mm. syrups, and oats, and that's what they think, but they'll quite happily give away four quid for a shit coffee. Yeah. So I that again, it's positioning of your mindset. If we can at least give them an offer to look slightly on the left or the right, then there's a market there, because a new place, you have a look. Yeah. 20 years I've lived in this country. Around the coastlines of Australia, we eat well. When yeah. I mean, you go inland, of a different story yeah but predominantly we eat well as a nation yeah yeah and food food here's a discussion point that you could have a whole night with your mates talking about food that wouldn't happen in Britain no we talk about booze or chicks or <laughs> fucking you wouldn't even mention food no you might mention takeaway yeah what you're getting and that's it that would be, be the topic and then move on to whatever else yeah but that's the next big dream yeah franchising franchise it hmm Street kitchen, I'm calling them street kitchens. Sally's calling them farm or joe local. Yeah, wow, just localize them back in communities where you can buy your freshly made <coughs> muesli.
0: And then, would you see it maybe running like workshops where yes, people 100%. could, um, you know, potentially could bring not a, a nutritious, more on the holistic health and yeah. talk about how you can integrate, you know, oats into yeah. So, there's diet. A whole,
1: in that, there's a whole boosted range. So, there's a range of boosted mushrooms, shag and mushrooms, lion means mushrooms collagens, boosters to boost your product. <clears throat> but simply getting back to basics of whole food nutrition. Yep. Whole foods, complete foods and that's the whole the idea of these street kitchens. Yep. In a cafe environment. So you can get takeaway. You can still get your takeaway something with your bowl or whatever and go back to your office. Or you can sit there and enjoy it and smell it in. Yep. Breathe it in.
0: So um for anyone listening in there they wanna buy your product what would be the best way to complement it? Like, What would your go-to with the uh, the oats be?
1: See, with oats, I'd probably make a porridge. Yep. With a muesli, I'd have it with a nice, I have, coco- I have day- I'm dairy-free, yep. so i have have like a good coconut yogurt. With the paleos, I blend them, or I snack them, I put them into a, sm- a blender, pour in some oat milk, and they become like a protein smoothie. There's 11 grams of protein per 50 grams wow. in our paleo granolas, which includes six grams of fiber. Uh, and less than 5% sugar, less, less than 5 grams of sugar. Yeah. So I blend that, because it's a, it's a complete food. It's your protein with your fibre and a whole range of other minerals in a, a smoothie form. Okay. Well, or, or if you're driving, snack it. Yeah. Just have a little snack, a little nibble. Yeah. Because you got that sweet salt, you get the fats, you nice nice oils. It's all, it's all feel-good food.
0: Yeah. And you feel good, you don't feel like crap nope. after.
1: And you feel good in your body. You're feeding all your organs, all your organs are getting what they need. Yeah. By eating complete food, chewing it with your teeth, starting the digestion in the esophagus, and start, because sometimes with the whole smoothies, you miss this part of digestion. It goes to here, and you swallow too much, and you get a big gut, you're, oh, too much of that smoothie. So the more you chew your food and snack it, the more you get out of it. Yeah,
0: and the more you're full. Because <laughs> people yeah. are overeating. And Remember,
1: it takes 20 minutes for your brain and your stomach to get communication that you're full. Wow, and 20 minutes is a long time. Yeah it is. <coughs> okay. So think yourself, last Christmas dinner, mm. how much food did you t- eat too much? Uh, you are probably uh, full after nominated. the entree. <laughs> and then you had the main to go, yeah. and dessert. Uh, so that 20 minutes makes is, me a, is a big communication.
0: Uh, yeah, and um, the next little bit, I call it the five for five, so it's just five but, little quick questions. Um, so, cold showers in the morning, do you have them?
1: My wife does, no. I am a bit cosy. Yeah, okay. I kind of go halfway. Yeah, yeah. 50, 50. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. I try and get my, my Hoff breathing in. Yeah. Or I just jump in the ocean. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but I agree with that. Those things really wake you up. Yeah. And they're good for you. Yeah. And early mornings? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm awake by like half, five, six. I don't always get up. Mm-hmm. I might just lie in bed and do some stretches or watch the soccer. Yeah. Or if the kids are up, I'll go up and have some always big pint of water, half a teaspoonful of sea salt and mm-hmm. half a squeeze of lemon every morning yeah for hydration
0: yeah um, do, you have, do you
1: do yoga y- used to but you no see. I kind of do my own form of stretching yeah I probably should do more of it I do F45 jujitsu and Yok. soccer
0: yeah okay and does that like sort of free the mind or? oh yeah. anything
1: just, frees the mind that gives me physical activity yeah because I love I love coming back to my mind mm-hmm. I love hanging out in my mind because it's business yeah it's business as usual what's happening what's going down opportunities I love that but I like to be away from it and let's like come back to it Our favorite place in the world Fuck, that's a challenging one I think um that is wherever you are and I would say it's right now it's Byron Bay in this van <laughs> in, uh, uh, here, here because I'm a family man so my family's here I'm here this is the richest place for me yeah so the longer you're in a place the richer it becomes but for me I always take the theory in life that I have friends everywhere. I just haven't met them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, your vulnerableest moment in life? Losing my son? Yeah. Yeah. It's life? life. Yeah. Done. Something you can't control? Yeah. You know, as a man, you think you can fix things. You can, you can fix many things. You just deal with it and move on, but that was something you have no control over. Mm-hmm. Losing my mother? Yeah. Whatever prepares you for the next one, you know? It's like, that was an experience. That's why, for me, when I lost my son, you can't. I'm never going to experience anything. Wasn't it? Mm. So fucking life's an opportunity. Yeah, you're not promised tomorrow. No. Yeah. Just fucking live your life. Yeah. Um,
0: lastly, if you had to give any advice to any sort of you know aspiring entrepreneurs or anyone who's struggling a bit and doesn't know where their life's going, what would be one piece of advice you'd give them?
1: scott at au. email me Yeah, I'll talk to anyone yeah, if right. I can give someone a little bit of advice that helps them become better at what they want to do that for me is the most satisfying uplifting thing that can happen to me that brings you the most fulfillment yeah,
0: 100% Yeah. and if they are looking to reach out um, what's your social medias and all that kind of jazz
1: well there's a Joe one but I never look at that one Okay, but the, yeah. um, and then I have a one called dad of daughters which is just one but you can just email me email yeah, yeah. I I, I do all morning emails. I love. I like helping people. Yeah. I've been helped, so it's a it's it's a barter system. You know, everything works full circle. Yeah. Can't
0: just always take, give back and Mm. respect. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having
1: you on, Scott, and I really appreciate. Polished man. Polished man. Polished man. (laughs) man, Check it out. One (laughs) in five kids in Australia is abused. Get online. Check out at polished man, polished man, and join the cause this October. I'm gonna do it. And forever. Get the red polish band on. And maybe touch up, yeah. That's a better nail, that one. Perfect.
0: Epic. That's all. Thanks Peace for jumping out. on, mate. Peace. Peace. There you have it. What an absolutely awesome episode with Scott. A bit of backstory. So, I actually met Scott um, three hours before filming this interview. I was with Dave Powell to Bain, and um, he introduced me to... Uh, farmer Joe and next thing you know, two hours later after we've had this huge feast, um he's I asked him if he wanted to jump on the podcast and he actually um said he had his van just parked in Main Street of Byron Bay and we ended up just filming it in there um getting it done we spent about an hour in there and As you can hear, it was a very insightful conversation into his journey of how he got to where he is today, and I'm super excited. I'm so stoked that I got to share it with you guys, and it was definitely one for the books. And if you did like this podcast, please take a screenshot, um, chuck it up in your Instagram story, tag myself, at Dylan Nicholson Journey, and then Farmer Joe Foods, on Instagram that would be amazing and if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts if you could just leave a review just chuck a few stars on it that would be absolutely amazing and if you got any feedback for me please send me a message on my Instagram or email which is nicholson 341 at gmail.com really appreciate it guys remember do something today that you tomorrow self will thank